Welcome to Season 1, Episode 17 of Four Seasons and a Funeral, the show where we go back and watch shows that had four good seasons and a Detroit Red Wings of a fifth season. Today we are talking about Season 1, Episode 17 of Fringe, Bad Dreams. My name is Charlie, and joining me today are David and Nick. Hi, I'm David. And hi, I'm Nick. Did so, you like my descri- some descriptor insert, Nick? I, I did. <laughs> I don't get the reference. And you guys can try to explain, but I really don't care. Uh, last, last season or this season, the Red Wings were the <laughs> Cleveland Browns of the NHL. Oh, okay. I understood that. I'm I so glad that you used a different too. sports reference so that you could still alienate a, a part of our viewership, most likely. <laughs> oh, 100%. It's amazing but, you think we have a viewership. We have that one listener. Wait, let me check what our current statistics are as of recording. I think we were like 116 for 14 episodes. Holy like shit, why did five people listen to the last episode? What is going on? And how many of those were just different podcast services downloading the episode? I don't think that happens, to be oh. fair. All right, well, someone's listening then, maybe. Right, maybe, I always maybe, assume, maybe Podbean just has some bots that they make assume, auto-download episodes. I assume three downloads from us, always. No. No. Really? I, nope. I turned off my auto download. I don't want my phone filling up with this junk. <laughs> I, I use I just use the drive instead, David. Oh, I always download an episode and listen to it to make sure that I didn't fuck up. Well, that's fair. Uploading uh, like I, I did hate, last week. If I anyone, hate, I hate uh, hearing the sound of my own voice on recording, so I avoid listening to these at every opportunity. Well, I don't um, mind it. It's... <laughs> special feature then for uh episode 14 um i may have forgotten to edit out a lot of mouth noises and me talking to my mother uh <laughs> at one point where i had muted discord but not my recording and then forgotten to muted it in the editing process uh, oh, that's, that's quickly funny. that was quickly removed and re-uploaded the next day but oh, one incredible. other person did download that episode other than me <laughs> So that That's one fantastic. listener out there got to hear me speak Mandarin to my mother <laughs> and eat some popcorn. Incredible. Shout uh, out to I, you. Hope I hope that they've already re-uploaded that podcast somewhere else so that there's the like the true edition of that podcast. I deleted that episode. I re-edited it and then deleted the old episode. I wanted no trace of it. <laughs> Wait, does that also mean it's been deleted off of the drive? The fuck up episode? Yes. Fuck. God damn it. David knows how to cover his tracks. All the raw files are there if you want to pop open Audacity and edit it yourself. Uh, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Charlie, what's our TV guide for today's episode? Oh, before we do TV guide, actually, um, what's everyone been up to since the last time we recorded? Uh, this today marks my first full week of work. Yay. Yay. Congratulations. Still, still doing the learning stuff. That's okay. That's like the first month. Great. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I was on training for about a month before I started doing anything as well. Well, Man, David, if your contract hadn't got extended and you spent one third of your entire contract length on training, that would have been hilarious. I mean, hey, I wouldn't have complained. Yeah, I mean, in, in our industry, just that month of learning is actually super valuable. It's yeah. valuable for me, not for the company. But hey, oh, yeah, they're going to pay me, sure. Yeah, yeah I remember one of my co-ops, the, the learning took two days. Um, and yeah. one of those days was spent um, at the local makerspace building my own desk. Oh, fun. Yes. Oh my God, what kind of weird millennial company did you work at? <laughs> David, oh. that was the that was the first one where I worked at the startup. 
Oh, so it was a millennial weird company. That is what you're telling me. It was a good time. Uh, <laughs> I did have I a, anyone I, from that company. I'm not going to shout. I'm not going to shout it out here because uh, I don't want to. You know, because that's a real company. It's a real company, and that that might not be that might not be cool with them. Um, I did have a fun meeting this morning where I was like, "Hey, I'm going through like the tutorial stuff you gave me, and I can't find the documentation for this web framework." And they go, "Oh yeah, the the doc site is down." And it's a trash framework anyways. We don't use that anymore. We haven't used that for about a year now. <laughs> then why did you tell me to learn it? <laughs> because, because they forgot the... to update their tutorial sessions. Listen, oh. the real reason is because the first thing I'm going to stick you on are projects that they abandoned a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be terrible. <laughs> uh, Luckily, I they're client-focused, so there's no projects like that. I'm honestly so shocked that you managed to find a job, Charlie, in this climate right now. Dude, you have you have no idea how shocked I am to have found a job in this <laughs> climate. Crazy. Also, a solid job. It, it sounds great. An actual full-time job. I'm still on contract. And I felt yeah. like I slipped under the radar because the for my first day of work was literally first day of quarantine as well. In, yeah. Uh, yeah. In it was literally like, go into the office. Oh, quarantine effect is already supposed to be uh, happening. Whoops. No, I am super thankful that A, this company decided to hire me just like full stop there, mm-hmm. but also that they were hiring during COVID. Which yeah, is insane. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm very worried for a year from now um, when it's going to be my turn. Listen, uh, dude, don't put that curse upon us. Hopefully a year from now, everything is normal. <laughs> do not do your, curse just us. do your PhD. Yeah, Nick, if things haven't recovered, are you doing a PhD? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going to at least explore the job market first. <laughs> it's good to have as a backup. Hey, who knows? Maybe my company will be going through another hiring phase and I can say, I know an engineer. Yeah, I'll have some AI stuff. Nick's not even software, though. (laughs) Hey, man, I I can help with the consulting on the other side. (laughs) I'm I'm biomed, but now I'm biomed with a lot of coding. Uh, That actually has that's actually hugely relevant to my company. There we go. Yo, Charlie, 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 hit me up. (laughs) Charlie, I still need a full time job. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, man. I was the only junior they hired this round. See you next year. <laughs> hey man, my contracts is probably getting extended till December as well at this rate. So that's good at least. Yeah, but I don't know. Not having health insurance is a thing. Anyways, yeah. let's get away from this depressing <laughs> real life talk that this suddenly became. This is great. <laughs> Charlie, let's get away from this depressing real life talk and go into Fringe, a happy show. I mean, hey, Fringe, they uh they plan for things like pandemics, so <laughs> A little bit like a dream world. And yeah, just like this episode, by far the happiest episode, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, this episode gets heavy. Right off the bat. Uh, the TV guide reads, An actual suicide at New York City Grand Central Station is witnessed by Olivia in Boston in a dream, kicking off a baffling series of nightmares that may be linked to ZFT Manifesto, the drug Cortexafan, and her own childhood. Written and directed by Oscar-winning screenwriter Akiva Goldsman, who wrote and directed A Beautiful Mind, amongst others like iRobot, and... Ah, oh, what were the other ones? Um, I Am Legend. Yeah, he is an amazing director, and explains why this episode is so good. Uh, it is a high-quality episode. Uh, this episode and some highlights from Season 2 that when we get there... <laughs> They're really good episodes. He does the premiere and the two-part finale, at least, in season two. He does the two-part finale of season one as well. 
Oh, solid. Yeah, oh, does so, he actually? Oh, sorry. yeah, he does episode 18 or 19 and 20. So next episode isn't by him. And then we have two episodes by him again. Oh, damn. Well, I guess I guess we, we won't say that he started the episode 19 uh, phenomena, but I guess was a part of it, which is cool. Yeah, Charlie filled me in on that, the, where Fringe does weird experimental things on their episode 19. It doesn't yeah. really, like, it doesn't really count for season one, because this one, we'll get to it, obviously, this should be a short aside. This one still feels like a normal Fringe episode, this episode 19. It really kicks off in season two. All right, yeah, we'll get to that when we get to it. Um, yeah, we're still a little ways away. So as the TV guide said, this episode starts with... Um, it's sort of extremely creepy, uh, tense oh, atmosphere, man. which is already <laughs> so uncomfortable because it's just a woman pushing a stroller while like singing to herself. Okay, but also somehow pushing a stroller in Grand Central Station whilst it's empty? Yes, that part was really fucking ominous. <laughs> I, I, it might be, maybe it's part of the, so, the dreamness of it. But... Yeah, because there are other people. Like there is that extremely creepy man. Oh yeah, who... they, do a, they do a fake out so early. So it's a woman pushing a stroller with her kids, singing this like elephant song, and then she sees this dude, and he's kind of like scruffy looking, got a ball cap on, and obviously is like, "Oh, this isn't." And she like kind of tucks herself in and kind of steers the stroller a little bit away, and he like pulls off his cap and is like, "Hi, ladies," and then walks off, and you're like, "Oh my god, he's gonna kill her." But then he doesn't. It's Olivia instead. Well. <laughs> Whoa, you got, you got to it so quickly. <laughs> so there's the, the great, it's a great sequence because it feels like, it honestly felt like 10 minutes long, but I, that's it's like, like two. a benefit to it for how tense it feels. Oh, no. Because there's like such oh, yeah. a close up of her like going down the stairs and then she just, you hear the train coming and she's like, oh, we got to run now. And I'm like, don't, no, don't ever run in a train station. And <laughs> she does but she doesn't make it, and so she's just like she, they do a like so prolonged scene of her parking the stroller as well, and the entire oh, time you're like yeah. going, "What's gonna happen? What's going on? Like this is free. Something terrible is gonna happen." And it like feels very. Um, you have some weird camera angles the entire time too. Like you can tell they're trying to set something up, but you have no idea what's happening at the point. Like, yeah. It feels vaguely. Um, who did uh, Zodiac? Who is oh, that character? I do not know. I do not remember. Look that up. Charlie, um, um, but it is already sort of like usually infringed the camera Fincher. angles. Oh, it, Fincher, yeah. It feels very Fincher esque where it's establishing shot, establishing mm-hmm. shot, showing you kind of small details. Mm-hmm. Usually, building, as well, though, building the tension. I feel like camera angles in Fringe are usually pretty, unless like a weird dream sequence is happening or like they're in a weird nightmare world. Like yeah. Fringe cameras are usually pretty like. Um, realistic in placement like you never see angles that aren't like yeah normal human angles these are like there's so many low angles where you're like looking at her feet as she's parking the stroller or there's weird angles from the side that you just yeah. don't feel like normal human fringe, looking fringe is very eyes. fringe is very here's our wide shot punch in for the conversation here's a tracking shot yeah, also, so it already also, feels there was weird. Like Thirty fucking jump cuts. Um, yeah, it already doesn't feel. It already doesn't feel like fringe. And so there's the and then her kid like lets go of a balloon of a bright red balloon. And so she's like, go. She like kind of laughs and goes up to reach for it. And then suddenly we're like looking at her, and then we're rushing her, and then it's a and then someone pushes her in front of a moving train. Yeah. And then it just cuts back, and it's Olivia, and it's like, oh my god, what the fuck. Yes. Well, it's, it's interesting because she kind of just like comes out from like right behind the camera to do mm-hmm. the push as well. 
Yeah. Yeah. So you're like really not expecting it. They do the kind of like, oh, the camera's moving up and the camera, like you are the camera, you're going to push her. And then Olivia comes out of nowhere and just shoves her. And then kind of watches the train go by kind of stone-faced. And you're like, what the hell is this? And then she wakes up and even she's like, what the hell just happened? Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I assume doesn't get much sleep because then she's at the kitchen counter doing a crossword and her niece comes up and is like, oh my god, like, Look, I gotta get a vaccination. They go into your blood. Did you skip her morning routine? Oh yes, sorry. They do like they do a quick shot of what seems to be her morning routine as well, where she gets out of bed, starts doing sit-ups immediately, and then we get a shot of her closet as she's looking for clothing, which is Even... important if you, for later on. Yes, <laughs> David, I, I remember because you like yeah no you you freaked out about that part. I when did. When we, this was the last episode Nick and I watched in person together. Uh, and uh, later on, there's a moment and I freaked out because of it. Yep. And we'll talk about it when we get there. But yeah. for now, I actually don't think I caught that the, like ever. Like you just brought that to my attention. It's completely true. Like now, even watching yeah. through season one, it's completely true, which is my, it was just crazy. Um, oh, yeah. I will say, like, just going back to the entire David Fincher similarities, when she's doing the sit-ups, it does the Fincher camera movement where it's tied to eye level. Mm-hmm. So wherever her eye moves, the camera moves. If you watch uh, Mindhunters, it's really, really apparent in, like, the subtlest of ways. And Fincher is really good at cinematography when he does it. Small things move, camera moves a little bit. Mm-hmm. It keeps your center focus. Same thing's happening in the sit-ups where it, whenever she comes up to do the setup, camera moves just slightly up, and it—it's a weird way of keeping your focus, and it's hypnotizing to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and then, it's... yeah, she finishes her morning routine, and then Ella and her sister come in, and Ella's like, "Oh, I need to get the vaccinations. I'm gonna get the autism. <laughs> They're gonna put something no. dead in me. <laughs> it's gruesome." And while they're sort of having this sweet family moment, um, there's sort of the TV's on in the background. And Olivia looks, and it's a morning report about a news report of the woman jumping and killing herself. Well, just of a suicide on uh, slowing down morning traffic, which, oh man, that's quite yeah. the way to phrase the suicide. The but news also, report, yeah, the news report is like, oh, and traffic's slow today because some woman decided to jump in front of a subway train. And you're like, also, that's not the fair, right way to present that news. But also, Charlie, to be fair, when I was commuting to school um, in the mornings uh, on the TTC, that happened twice across the four years that I did that. And, oh, man, that was basically everyone, everything that everyone in the subway was talking about at the time was, oh, man, I can't believe, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, you I'm, know, you think about it now and you're like, Jesus. But also, yeah, no, you, you're, you, you get backed up a, an hour. <laughs> yeah. How much do you think that costs the TTC oh. <laughs> or the New York subway station? New oh. York? Like millions. Yeah. Just a delay in everyone's life by an hour. Well, like, ripple effects, too. Like, guys yeah. late for a meeting, like, businesses and everything like that. That's millions upon millions of dollars. Man hours wasted, right? Yeah. But anyways, besides the point, uh, we get the... We, we uh, see the see the shot of Olivia going, oh, shit, I killed this person, and cold open. Uh, which, surprisingly, no woman screaming this time. Yeah, yeah, I'm shocked too. But Olivia is, didn't just scream. But this is still <laughs> this is still one of like the best cold opens because like even first time watching, you're like, what the fuck? Olivia just shoved her. And you're like, ah, oh, it's just a dream. That's weird. She's got weird psychic things. Maybe like maybe she's seeing the future, and it's like, no, that one's dead. 
Yep. Well, I was um, I was expecting the cold open to happen right after she shoved her. Like that's what made sense that, to me. That does seem like the perfect place to put it in. But or even after early. she wakes, even after she wakes up. Yes. But I think uh, they have like a certain time quota to hit before yes, they can. Throw sometimes the twelve minutes into the episode. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but that makes us angry. It does. Yeah. <laughs> this one happened at a nice, happy, like, four minutes in. Um, unlike our current amount of time into the episode. The 12 minutes made us angrier than I've ever seen us. Well, that episode did. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then Olivia goes to the FBI office and tells Broyles about it, and Broyles is like, this doesn't seem fringe-related at all. And she's like, I can't tell you any more other than something weird's going on, and I want to investigate it. And Bros. Um, I would argue that Bros is like this is this is showing off Bros's character development at this point because I think he doesn't immediately dismiss her if anything. Like Olivia no, no, comes no. to him and he's she's like, like, he's like, this doesn't seem fringe related, but I trust you. Yeah, yeah. I he's like, you're a valued member of this team. You have 24 hours, which is really nice because it just kind of shows like that Bros does trust Olivia a lot more. Yeah. Finally. <laughs> on episode is, 17. <laughs> Broyles' season arc is really crazy if you map it out from, like, liaison up until, like, now. What, from defending sexual assault to, um, <laughs> to, being, to being an officer of the law? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oof. Don't worry oh. about it, it's fine. He's, he's still here, isn't he? Um... Who, um He's not in this episode, I don't think. No, he's not, but he's still technically present. Yes. Yes, yes he is. <laughs> he's still around. Yeah, so Broyles is like, you got 24 hours, so she goes to the lab to kind of be like, this is what we're investigating. And Peter's like, so you had a nightmare. And she's like, no, it was real. And he's like, so you had a nightmare. And then Walter comes up with a Geiger counter. Yeah, Peter's very dismissive about this entire thing. <laughs> But by far the best part about that is uh, Peter's like, so you had a nightmare because he doesn't want to be like, so you murdered this woman. And then Walter's mm. like, well, you didn't travel there. Did you take a lot of drugs? <laughs> yeah. Well, Walter's like asking her all these questions and it's like, is that a Geiger counter? Yes, it is. And it's like, oh, I thought you went, I thought you teleported to New York and killed her in your sleep. What a wondrous <laughs> thing that would have been. Unfortunately not. <laughs> and he's and like, then... opium, all this. And then... Um, you oh. get the best line of the season if you would Easily. like to deliver it. If you would like to deliver it, Nick. <laughs> and here, here, who do you want to play for this? Uh... I, can be, I can be Astrid. Okay. So Walter goes Astral. Astrid. Projection. Spirit walk. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so great because she's like, oh my god, not this again. And he god just very subtly narrows his eyes and is like, projection. <laughs> He's like, I knew what I was doing. <laughs> Astrid even has a oh fuck look on her face. And then Peter really just good. Peter just comes back with she had an episode title. <laughs> yeah, basically. Because <laughs> Peter worked it in before we could. <laughs> Peter also didn't make it a pun though. Peter just straight up said it. <laughs> yeah. But uh Peter and uh, eventually relents and agrees to go with Olivia to New York to investigate the situation, to which uh, Walter is very excited about, and he <laughs> wants to go, and he wants to go see a show. Yes, and he, Walter he is like, oh, yeah. singing Jackson 5. <laughs> Walter has a good episode in this one. <laughs> he does. And He's Peter kind of just goes, yeah, okay, no, you're not coming. 
Yeah, Walter's like, oh, I love, we could go see a show. Yes. And yeah, and they, the, they really make you, in this scene, they really make you love Walter, which is great for later on in the episode. Yeah. <laughs> Rough look. Uh, they arrive in New York, Peter and Olivia, and they <laughs> meet up with the local NY cop, and Peter's got, like, this big pretzel for no reason other than one line. Because they're delicious. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, well, the cop's I, like, hey, you know, you shouldn't eat that. And he's just like, wish I knew that before. And he's like, you're too late on that one. Yeah. But it really feels like Joshua Jackson, they were like filming in New York, and he's like, I want a pretzel. And they're like, Joshua, we're filming. And he's like, write it in. Just give me a pretzel, damn it. Because <laughs> it's gone in the next scene. It is. He <laughs> ate it. Oh, man. He, he, pulled, then, he pulled like a you or me, David. <laughs> uh-huh. But then uh... she's like, oh, FBI in my, in my house. This makes me like question how safe we are. And Olivia's like, oh, you're not as safe as you think. And Peter's like, you're as safe as houses. I'm like, are you from the 60s? <laughs> and his delivery, too. Like, well, okay, oh, this, is, this was 2009. Um, had we just had a housing crash? 2009? Yeah, what, wasn't that the big... crash in 08. Wasn't that the big... That was the subprime uh, mortgage crash as well. Yes, so. that is, that is the, the big short. Yeah. So... <laughs> Look at that. We we were able to figure out where they were going for off of that one. Maybe. I'm sure I at mean, the time everyone laughed uh, uproariously at the joke. <laughs> well, I mean, no, probably cried. <laughs> I mean, safe of houses is an actual term, though. Is it? Yes, it is It is an old-timey oh, phrase. The 30s? <laughs> that's, that w- that's what I mean. Like, it's so out of place. I don't think it's a pun on the very then-recent housing crash. Also, it would be a weird thing to joke about. It would be a very (laughs) weird thing to joke about, because that seemingly didn't happen in the Fringe universe. I like to believe that that's where he's going with it. (laughs) Anyways, um, they have that little interaction, and then Olivia, because Peter's still very much like he had a bad dream, um, Olivia stops him before they like head down to the uh, to the tracks and points out, "Hey, there's going to be a red balloon up in the ceiling," and Peter's like, "All right, I guess." And they walk down, and hey, Peter sees a red balloon. Up in the ceiling. Well, no, you have them talking, and Peter's just looking up the entire time that they're talking. <laughs> Peter's just like, God, I look for this fucking balloon. Prove she's crazy. But yeah, no, there, there is, the, the balloon is up there. Um, and they're like, all right, something, something happened here. We don't know what yet, but <laughs> yeah, well, not to, good. To, like, director credit. It's a really good shot because it's just Peter looking up at the balloon and Olivia talking through like her thoughts and everything. And then oh, yeah. the scene just ends with that simple pan up and it's like, there's the balloon. Mm-hmm. It is very well done on that front. Um, they then go and look at the um, they talk to security the husband, right? No, they, they talk no. to the husband. Oh, they talk to the husband first. Well, no, they review, they review the... Oh, no, they do talk to the husband no, first. They talk to, they talk to the husband. He's like, she was looking forward to taking her to the circus all, like, all month. She wouldn't kill herself. This doesn't make any sense. Like, she just wouldn't. <laughs> and he's like, she used to sing her this little song, like, the elephants went to the circus, which I think Olivia heard. Yes. yes. That we're we're assuming that Olivia saw everything that we saw. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then they go to review the security footage, and um, it's just what it just looks like is the woman just kind of slips or jumps in front of the train. It yeah. does look very unnatural because she's just sort of like... kind of stretching up, and then she just sort of like 
does a jump. standing leap. Yes. So it doesn't look like she like. It does look like she was shoved. Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't quite look like she she was shoved, but it doesn't look like what someone would be doing if they were going to just jump. Yeah. Though, also to be fair, you'd fake out the train driver real well with that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because that's a goal. I don't know how well the train driver can break either way if by the time they can see you. Oh, no, no time at all. Yeah. yeah no. Uh, but they go back to the lab. I would like to point out. Well, no, before, before we get to that, when they've reviewed this uh, footage, one of the things that I found kind of, kind of interesting is right after, so right after she jumps, um, people, like there's people that come by uh, and yeah. you're like, hmm, there was no one in Olivia's vision. Yeah. So I think those, because some time does pass, I think those people are supposed to be people getting off of a train. It might be. Or people coming for the next train. No, because there's, there's people that pass by the stroller. Like mm-hmm. they, they scrub through the footage. Mm-hmm. And like, there's people walking by them that the woman is doing the same stuff she did in the dream, where she's like talking to oh, her okay. daughter. Yes, that didn't pop up. And I'll give my thoughts on it later. I think I know why they're not in the dream. Mm-hmm. I think um, so too. But it was interesting. Yeah, we'll get there when we get there. But they go back mm-hmm. to the lab, and Olivia's like, "It felt real. Like I was there. I smelled the same things. I heard the same things." And Peter's still like, "You didn't kill her." And Walter's like. Like, why don't you trust her? Which is a weird but good sentiment. He's like, you only believe the stuff when you want to. Like, she says she killed her. Then we need to operate off the presumption that she killed her. Yes, Walter does bring up the the thing of like, hey, sometimes if you if you believe if you believe in someone, you gotta you gotta believe in them even when they're saying things you're not you know comfortable totally with comfortable with. Want them to be saying, which is just a good life thing. On honesty, yeah. it is. But this is a very oddly Walter-heavy episode for what's predominantly an Olivia episode. Mm-hmm. Yes. Walter has some very good standout moments where it's he's getting saner, he's saying, like, they're doing the weird thing where Peter's character development is kind of regressing or out of place. Yeah. I think, yeah, Peter does take a, an unfortunate backseat in this episode compared to everyone else. Yeah, but season, I, season two, they figure out what they're doing with him, but this one... But, it yeah. is to serve the narrative, though. Peter has an unfortunate yeah. thing with season one, and I think he's the reaction character to most situations. He's the one who's playing off of everyone and giving he's, them he's their supposed stories. To be, he's supposed to be the everyman, yeah. but he can't be because he's this great genius con artist, which is it's why season one feels weird. Yeah, because they, yeah, they, they fix it. Anyway, Peter, and it's Walters being the sane one, uh, but yeah, and so basically, you know, they're like, hey, you know, maybe this was a bad dream, unless it happens again. Um, in which case, it very much wasn't a bad dream. In which case, hey, yeah. um, you know, unlikely to be a coincidence and happen twice. Yeah. Um, and uh, Olivia goes, cool, so I guess I'm not going to sleep ever. Um, going to go buy some caffeine pills. Which I've never tried those. Do either of you guys, like, do those work at all? Um, oh. I haven't done caffeine pills, but I've done chocolate-covered coffee beans, and those are, like, a kick in the face once you've had, like, ten of them. Yeah, the awake <laughs> chocolate bars are supposed to be good, too. Oh, I've had those as well. Those are good. Just drink a monster, honestly. Yeah, no, I just, <laughs> I, I'll either do energy drinks if I really need to get up, or I just have a cup of coffee, like a normal oh, person. Yeah. I miss high school, where I would have a coffee in the morning, and then a monster at lunch. And then a coffee on my way home from school. 
Man, your heart must have been so happy with you back then. Oh, man. I mean, if anything, my heart was healthier than it was now because I was swimming five times a week and also doing track and field and cross country. And also didn't smoke. Yeah. Yeah. And no smoking (laughs) or alcohol. Like, we're we're really dodging. You traded out exercise for tobacco. (laughs) Yeah. Yikes. I mean, because of the situation right now, I haven't had any since, like, before the pandemic started, so... Hey, yeah, you just don't pick it back up. Yeah. Oh man, I've been having such a heavy craving the past week. It's real bad. Drink coffee. Well, I have been. <laughs> I, I can't. <laughs> People drink more coffee to counteract the nicotine addiction. <laughs> I already drink so much coffee that it doesn't help. Like you just I couldn't offset, drink more coffee. <laughs> you gotta offset the nicotine with some good old fashioned heroin. No, I mean, that'll get me right off of it. That's true. <laughs> you will no longer have any want to spend your money on uh, nicotine. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say on that front. Uh, but I guess to stay awake, Olivia decides to go grab a cup of coffee. Yeah, yeah. like a late like late night you know, cup of coffee is what, you, what a- you imagine it to be at the start. <laughs> but it's in a fairly fancy diner. Yeah, well, it's, it's I know, it's not a fancy diner, dude. That's a restaurant. That's yeah. a nice restaurant. <laughs> yeah like those are like, those are happy couples all around like you can tell like that's a fancy place that you go on like you know well you say like happy, an anniversary or like you, you a... say happy couples but olivia <laughs> went there to enjoy a cup of coffee and instead she had front row seats to a husband and wife getting into a fight because the wife thinks the husband gave the waitress too good of a look over and goes oh is that it i'm not young enough for you and then you know like guts him with her knife well, no, to be fair, Olivia goes, okay, cool, I should probably go calm these people down, um, and walks up to go calm them down. Oh, yes. Uh, and then the wife picks up the knife, and Olivia goes, cool, I'll grab that knife from her. Um, and holds I know. Oh, and then- I need to, I need to, no, she's like, I need to put this knife somewhere safe where it won't hurt anyone. Oh, there's this nice handy knife holder right over here. Stab, stab, stab. Well, no, she, she tries, and she's like, well, that's not the right hole for the knife. Let's make this one. Nope, nope. <laughs> Like, you know, when you got a knife block and you're like, man, which which hole does this knife go in? You put it in one, you're like, that one's not correct. So the dude gets stabbed three times by his wife. With, with a cheese knife at that. Like, oh. It's real brutal. And then he kind of just sits down, arms at his side, and just lets death take him. Like, he doesn't even try to put pressure on the wound or anything. All right, all right David, let's stab you in the stomach several times and see how you react. I think shock takes place here. So David, um, every time she had uh, that, she put all of her stats into being a rogue. So her <laughs> uh, her sneak attack um, bonus at that point was like sixty six. Hey, He's like, oh, it must have been something I ate. Best take a nap. <laughs> I've injured myself many a time, and every time it's happened, I've held the wound. <laughs> Thank you very much. You were never stabbed. Yeah, cutting I mean... up your own finger does not count. David, it's important to recognize you, you'd be in way more shock if someone else did it to you. Yeah, that's fair. Especially hey, someone David, you trusted. I popped out my kneecap, and I didn't try to touch it immediately. Oh, the, that's very different. You shouldn't touch that. That was also an immense amount of pain. You also shouldn't touch what happened there. Well, at oh, first man. I didn't try to touch it, and then I tried to shove it back in. That didn't work. It, it, hey, it went in by itself. Yeah. Once you had to try to stand up and it just popped back in. Oh man, that was a that was a bad day. 
I don't know what talking about. Well, to be fair, I also wasn't there. So yeah, you heard it all, Nick. You've 100% heard the story. I've heard it so many times. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. It's very dramatic for everyone involved. <laughs> it obviously sounds like it was. Um, Anyways, anyway. Olivia, after stabbing this dude through his wife, Olivia wakes <laughs> up. Um, wakes up and, and calls Charlie. Yeah. And you can see, like, she like the open no sleep pillbox which like that's just false advertising at this point because she fell asleep mm-hmm. um but i do like how she calls charlie and goes charlie there's been a murder and you're like oh no <laughs> oh no what's happening here yeah uh so they go to the hospital and they're like is the husband gonna survive and the doctor's like fuck no <laughs> like, he are you kidding me was yeah. gutted he's gonna die that's the only reason we're letting the wife here <laughs> Well, oh. they say, like, oh, he was gutted. It's like, what, a three-quarter inch cheese knife? And they're like, it tore up his insides. I'm like, he got stabbed three times. That's not gutted. Like, she didn't twist it or slice across. Yeah, honestly... Fair, we don't know what Olivia did in there. <laughs> I, I think they should have made the stabbing worse to justify him being gutted. Yeah, as yeah her, but this is a PG-14. Like, like, this is PG-13. <laughs> oh, you, you can do a stab and, a, like, a slice. Uh, uh, Nick, ba- babies... <laughs> Adult babies? What are you talking about? Melting faces? What are you talking listen, about? Listen, there might be there might be a line, and that line might be traditional uh, traditional gore. A dude got shot through the head. That's fine though. That's not that much blood. Think about how much blood there would have been in this one. Talk about not that much blood. There would be so much blood from a head wound. Head wounds bleed so much. They were dissecting yeah, monsters. Like it's guts out. What are you talking about? <laughs> You can stab and show, like, stab in and drag across. You can show arm movement and even through the shirt and just have a little bit of blood coming up. You don't have to have it be gruesome. Also, David's reaction of, what, adult babies? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Anyway, yeah, he's, he's, like, they're about to pull the plug and the wife is saying, like, her goodbyes and she's in handcuffs and Olivia interviews her. And completely is calmly like, and respectfully and, and yeah, professionally. Super well. yeah. yeah, and Olivia's like, Yeah, but like something moved your hand, right? Say it and I'll get you off. And she's like, No, I wanted to kill him. Yeah. Oh, and man. you're like, and you're like, Olivia's like, No, this wasn't you. And, and Peter's like, Hey, uh no, get away from her. <laughs> but I just love Olivia's like, Yeah, it wasn't you, right? And she's like, No, no, it was hundred percent me. This I, I wanted to. Yeah. But uh, she, you know, Peter basically takes her away because Olivia's kind of going a little bit crazy um, during this. Uh, yeah, and it doesn't get better because then they go to the restaurant. Yeah, she yes. is once again extremely calm and professional. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I do like the I do like the guy that they have for this Italian restaurant, like the owner of the restaurant. It's like, come on, this <laughs> you know, this woman just fucked up my entire business. And like, ah, excellent. I'm glad that he cares so much about this. All these people left and didn't pay. <laughs> Honestly, this episode is less fringy and more on the cruelty of man and how they don't <laughs> care that people are losing their lives and it just inconveniences them. Because we saw it with the news report on the subway and now we're seeing it with this restaurant owner. There is, is such text here. Is that actually what the entire thing is? We'll, we'll see when we get to the next one. <laughs> So yeah, they're uh, interviewing the uh, the restaurant, and he's like having his sort of freak out moment about not wanting them to be there, and he's complaining about the murder and how it's so bad for his bad line. And then Olivia kind of freaks out about the table she was sitting at in her dream, 
and starts demanding to know if she was sitting there. And yes. she like grabs the dude and shoves him. And and the guy's like, no. There's some dude. He comes in every once in a while. He has pretty distinctive facial scar. Yeah. Which, yeah, that's fair. We do meet this dude later, and oh boy, that's a facial scar. Yeah. <laughs> it's a gnarly one. Yeah. And if you were very observant, you would recognize that facial scar. Because you've seen it earlier in this episode for about three frames. Yes, you oh, have. But well, don't worry about that. Olivia will mention that later and make you all feel stupid. Well, I mean, you'll see it in yes. the next scene. Literally the next scene. Well, where they, they review they... the subway security footage and oh, the, that you, guy oh, was also there. This yes. ties into an earlier episode, actually. Specifically, uh, when... Um, Olivia is commenting about her memory when Peter and her are at a bar. Uh, oh, at the bar. Yes. And she literally says, I never forget a face, tying into her own skills and abilities. Yep. And so oh, you know, yeah. they give this a description is... of what he looks like. Olivia instantly goes, I know him. Like, I know exactly who they're talking about. And they go back to the security footage. And she's like, there, that person. Oh, I'm so glad that Olivia and I are literally the exact opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was very cool. Uh, once again, that, tying things in that have already been established. We do, the, we do also get the classic zoom in on the footage that oh. should be possible. It makes me so upset every time that I'm working in that now. In this episode, like Sorry. it wasn't as egregious as let me get some satellite footage of this bridge. Okay, rebuild it in 3D and show me what the angle would be from this warehouse. <laughs> like it wasn't that egregious. Yeah, but that doesn't stop the fact that it just makes me upset. <laughs> this is this is tolerable. Like it's not even like oh, there's three pixels here. Let me zoom in and make this like a full. Like we're not talking like a Blade Runner enhanced scene. Like oh, we're gonna get the picture from the reflection of a raindrop. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is like it's low quality, and then we'll punch it up just so that like the audience can see. Like this is I can I can live with this. This is fine. Like that, yeah. Honestly, the scar is distinctive enough that even if it wasn't zoomed in, you could tell like who this person because yeah. there's, there's a huge C-shaped scar over the like the dude's eye. It's like enormous. It's like, yeah, yeah, I will say it is C-shaped. It is C-shaped, but I always thought it was a two, like it was the number two. Ah. Uh, oh no, I can see it because it it starts that. it starts but, at like the top of his brow and goes kind of around though, his temple. It yeah. does. It looks more like he fought off an attack or something. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, it looks like, you know, yes, the, the bottom line of the two isn't there, but the curve of it just is a two. Uh, yeah. yeah, I can see that. And the whole time, Walter is talking about how wonderful his coffee is. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Which is He's a great like, this moment. Is, this is fantastic. And they're like, Walter, this is a woman's suicide tape. He goes, no, the coffee. <laughs> That's why we and that's when we learned that Walter was into snuff films. <laughs> oh Walter would be, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. And then they go back to the FBI office and they have like a Tassimo or a Keurig there, and Walter's like, we have to get one. Well no, Walter doesn't like it because he's saying that it's broken because he can't get it to work as well. <laughs> Which is fair enough. Keurings are truly the worst invention ever created. They are a pox. I know, I like mine. Yeah, but Keurig is the machine that tried to copyright coffee pods and make DRM for coffee. So yeah, no, they're yeah. evil and shouldn't be used. Yeah, and you could flash your coffee maker with custom firmware to get around that. Yeah, someone, so... someone rooted a coffee maker. Listen, my strategy with coffee has always been to just drink the cheapest 
most vile coffee available because I never want my caffeine addiction to become an issue where I need to have good coffee in order See, to fight a headache. I planned on doing the same thing, and then you told me that my Kirkland coffee is too good. Your Kirkland coffee is too good. You, are, you already started too high. You were not drinking vile enough coffee. I'm very excited for the day that uh, for the day, David, that I can uh, that I can make you drink some coffee that like my family has brewed. Listen, um, I've had good coffee. The thing is, I don't need it because that isn't the first coffee I got used to. The first yeah. coffee I became accustomed to was trash coffee, and that's no, why I can yeah. go up and down now. Yeah, you can okay. have good coffee. It's just you can't have good coffee on a regular basis, or else you get used to it, and that becomes your baseline. Yeah, otherwise that fucks your palate. And then the next time you have bad coffee, it's terrible. I'd rather have it be okay so I can fight my headaches because I'm drinking coffee for the caffeine, nothing else. Okay. Uh, yeah, Anyways. so we're back at the FBI office and they're doing facial recognition to find out who this guy is. Um, um, and Bros is like, hey, Olivia, the, the fuck? <laughs> yeah, Bros is going, like, what's going on here? Why do you have all the agents working on this case? <laughs> I told you 24 hours, what the fuck? Yeah, you gonna clue me in on any of this? <laughs> and she's like, ah, I guess you've gotten this far. I should disclose the rest <laughs> of this information I've held close to the chest. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I didn't realize but it is very much a reversal. <laughs> it's Bros oh, walking into the office. Bros walking to the office going, what's all this investigating? And Olivia's like, I guess it's time you know. <laughs> Listen, I've been investigating for the past 14 hours. This <laughs> You've noticed in two minutes what it took me 14 hours to notice. <laughs> oh my god. Anyways, Olivia brings it up in a better way where she's like, listen, there's this guy um, and he's forcing me to watch him murder these people. Um, which is still not exactly what's happening, but is closer. <laughs> Yeah, um, Broyles has some good reasoning here where he's like, listen, we can't just do this. Yeah. We don't have any proof this is a weird fringe environment. As far as we know, this is a suicide and then a murder of a wife killing her husband. You don't have any proof. And Olivia, like, how long have you been working? You look really tired. You need time off. And Olivia's kind of like, oh, you're right. That is just like dead eyes. Just, oh, you're totally right. Um, I'm asking for, like, let me have some time off. I will totally not do anything crazy or ridiculous with my time off I'm asking for right now. And then Burroughs is like, Francis, open the case formally, please. Yeah, but I do really like how he's like, listen, you can't investigate any of this stuff while you're on your time off. And Olivia's like, uh-huh, sure, whatever you say. I totally will not do that, 100%. Remember, Olivia, wink, wink, you can't, wink, wink. Which Burroughs does eventually just go, all right, fuck it, we'll just do the investigation. Yeah, I guess we'll follow it. I guess we'll follow this. Uh, but we do learn before then that it's at uh, that um, the, the guy was originally was previously at St. Jude's Hospital. And we got another <laughs> great Walter line um, of, uh, you know, the, the, the agent just goes, yeah, no, the subject name is Nick Lane. Uh, the former address is St. Jude's Mental Hospital. Walter's like, well, I'm not going there. <laughs> yeah, there enough. That. No, no, no. Keep, keep water away from those places, please. And they go talk to, uh, I think it's Nick Lane's like caseworker or like overseeing psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. um, and it 
she's like, oh, he was here completely volunteer voluntarily. Like he didn't have to be here, but it and was. Therefore. But it was he had a weird effect around people where it's like if he was happy, he would light up the whole war- the whole ward. But if he was sad, everyone like it kind of got gloomy. Mm-hmm. Um. And then some mysterious man came to visit him, and that's when Nick left, like, checked himself out? Well, no, he said that he got an inheritance. Yeah. Okay. He Uh, doesn't come out and say what happened. He just said, yeah, I have an inheritance, so I'm checking out now. Yeah. But uh, she also brings up at this point that, um, you know, what he was, part of what he was dealing with was that uh, he believed he was recruited as a child um, into this war um, as a soldier. And you're like, hmm, we've definitely never heard about this before. You're like, uh, haha, yes, delusions. <laughs> totally not real. Totally not real. Totally not, you know, totally not something. Please, please tell me more exactly of the wording he used. <laughs> Was, did, did the wording, Olivia pulls out her phone, sound exactly like this? The person's like, uh, yes. <laughs> like, okay, hmm. cool, 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 cool. Uh, we're going to have some people visit you soon. Just look into this bright light. <laughs> Um, and that's when they're like, hey, uh, ZFT seems to be coming back. Um, ZFT? ZFT. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, we're in Canada. We, we will stand by our choices. <laughs> um, but we do learn that Nick Lane was uh, in Jacksonville, was where he grew up. Uh, and we're all sorry. <laughs> it's terrible. Jacksonville really. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> it's based on the good place. Uh, There's a character from Jacksonville there, and apparently they just shout Duval and Bortles. <laughs> they don't actually shout Bortles. That's just what the character did. They the, do actually shout Duval. <laughs> I always love listening to like the behind the scenes stuff for Good Place because they're like, "Why did you pick on Jacksonville?" And they're like, "We felt that Florida wasn't picked on enough." <laughs> Not wrong. <laughs> they're like, Jacksonville is a trash town. I've never been to Florida. I've never been to Jacksonville. My perception on that place is entirely based off the jokes in Good Place. It's <laughs> very true. Yeah. Florida's just weird. But yeah, turns out Nick Lane was treated with some drug called like Cortexafan or something that we've never heard of totally. Yeah, some Lane sort of weird. <laughs> And Who knows what that is? Um, like ever, um, and happened to be treated in in Jacksonville, Florida, which is strange. We've never, you know, heard of anyone else being from there as a kid. Yeah, and so they sit they sit Walter down to have a very serious discussion about what the fuck. And Walter's like, "Oh man, I remember Catexafan. That was a great time." <laughs> He's all happy, and they're like, "Walter, what the fuck did you do?" And he's like, "We had a buddy system," and then. That entire like buildup of oh Walter's a fun character this episode comes crashing down as he tells tales of how he experimented with random drugs on children. Well, because yes. especially the way Walter phrases it is just like oh every time we uh, typically when we were testing on children we'd have a buddy system. You know, like <laughs> summer camp. Whoa, was... whoa! Why does it sound so blasé? Why do you have a special system for when you test drugs on <laughs> Why children? Why is there protocol for this? Why do you have a standard protocol? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we also get what sort of what the background of Cortexafan was, because we actually haven't gotten that up until this point. Uh, no, we have. We got it in, uh, in the uh, original episode when they brought it up. They explained yeah. that it expands your perception as a child. They, uh, they're recapping it here. That's fair. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so we get a description of what uh, Walter says Bell's plan was for, for the drug and what it was supposed to do. 
and uh, he's uh, and then there's some discussion, and then there's like, yeah, but that still didn't it doesn't explain why Olivia's connected to him, like blah 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 blah, and then Olivia's kind of just like, um, so I was treated with the drug too. She's like, I may have been treated with Cortexophane. And they're like, excuse? Well, no. So she only suspects it because she was able to complete that test. But it was like, other than that, it was just, yeah, no, there happened to be a Cortexophane trial in Florida, in Jacksonville, at the same time that you were there. I uh, mean, that's, that's pretty solid evidence, though. Also, um... <laughs> you have David Robert Jones being literally like, literally told treated. her <laughs> you were treated with this drug. Yes. So. You have Cortexafan in your blood but or in your spinal fluid. Olivia's still trying to actually get proof of that because Olivia doesn't yes. still doesn't have any proof of that. She just no. has the word of a yeah. uh, of a madman and, um, and now a second connection. <laughs> so um, Walter does like, oh, that's that's good news. And Peter's like, whoa, what the fuck? Why is this good news? And Walter's like, because then I think we can track Lane. And we cut to Olivia entering a club. Or uh, yes. that ends up being a strip, strip, uh, strip place. What? No, we, uh, what strip club. club. <laughs> it's a strip club. Okay. We do also. We do also get how. What? David, are you okay? I've had a beer. <laughs> it's been a while. So have I, and I'm not stumbling over my work. Oh, I haven't no. drunk in so long. <laughs> You're not, you're, you're, but you're just buzz, David. That shouldn't be this bad. I'm a tiny little Asian boy. Leave me alone. <laughs> uh, we do also get, um, hey, we're pretty sure that the way that Nick Lane is actually doing all of this is that he is um, a hyper, like he's a hyper empath or like a reverse empath in that whatever he's feeling, other people feel instead yeah. of he feels what other people are feeling. So when the ward lit up when he was happy, it was very, very literal. Yes. It was why it was probably a good idea to keep him happy. Uh, yeah. Weird um, emotion, like empathy powers. I think they do call him out as a reverse empath at the point as well. They literally say yes. what his power yeah. would be. Yeah, yeah. which interesting power. Um, yeah, and we we see we see it in action in the next scene. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, this is yeah. So Olivia walks into a strip club in a scene. That is purely, I feel like, fan service. I don't know what you're talking about. There's no fan service in this scene at all. To be uh, fair, it, just, it just has Anator of kissing a stripper. Well, also, the stripper has doing like the worst like pole dancing I've ever seen. Like the most How lazy much pole dancing. Have you seen a lot because of our mutual friend? Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, that's fair. Actually, that's really fair. Yeah. Oh, oh, recently, quite a lot actually. I feel like we should clarify this statement. Our friend isn't a stripper. She just did a pole dancing club as like a what fitness class exercise. But she's posting like her exercise routines on Facebook. Yeah, yeah <laughs> no, like, I was like, yeah, no, no, you're right. I have seen more of that on my feed, but like not in a weird way, I guess. <laughs> yeah, the same. Like, it's you know I don't feel like trashy. In comparison to some because... scenes she's been doing, it's. <laughs> Far more effective than what the person was doing in the train. Lazier. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, after after the totally necessary needed to move the story forward shot of Olivia and the stripper <laughs> making out a bit, um, we For cut. God, it wasn't like one second either. Like it was. They kissed. They parted, and then they kissed again. Yeah. Um, and then we cut, and it's obviously not Olivia there. She's in the lab, and is kind of being like half hypnotized by this device that hey it flashes some red and green lights at you 
Oh. Yep. Who would have known? Who, who, who could have guessed? <laughs> Definitely she's wasn't kind a of, pattern. <laughs> yeah. So I think it kind of like dips her into her subconscious a bit so she can... Because I think they, Walter hypothesized, they would have kind of like a, a psychic link, which is why Olivia is seeing him in her dreams, like his actions. Yeah. So this is why, so they dip her into her subconscious and she can see what he's doing in real time and actually relay it. So it's like, oh, he's getting excited. So she's getting excited. Yep. Uh, they're leaving the club. And and then uh, another great scene. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally not weird at all. Where, you know, uh, Peter's explaining to Astrid is just come in. Hey, by the way, here's what we're doing. Oh yeah, this was a weird scene. <laughs> yeah, because Astrid comes in and is like, what's going on? And Peter's like, oh, nothing much. And um, I guess Nick and the stripper are starting to have sex because Olivia starts moaning on the table and Walter's like, what's going on? Is she having an attack? And, and it's really funny because the first one, all of them are confused and then Astrid clues in after the second one and then Peter clues in after the third one and Walter's still confused. <laughs> yeah, they're like, what's going on? Is she okay? And Astrid's like, oh. And then Peter's like, what? Oh. And Walter's like, I don't understand. Oh. <laughs> That's <felt> so unnecessary. <laughs> Um, and oh boy, that was a short time because that's a solid seven second scene, and then she's done. So, do you think they took longer than the five minute champion? Or <laughs> I think, a, I think there might be a reason for why he starts feeling like how he does right afterwards. <laughs> oh, and this is uh, hey, this is where remember when I said, hey, this episode gets really heavy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> This is where it gets heavy because the dude starts feeling dirty and filthy and all and, this, and uh, then the woman he just had sex with starts feeling dirty and filthy, and, and then she and breaks God. a glass, and, uh, <laughs> and then she she cuts her own throat. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, Olivia helps. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and we get the, the the great little Olivia just going, oh, she's dead. Yep. And Walter's like, all right, stay in, stay in. I believe in you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> and so Walter's like, you got to stay in. Like, we need to follow him. And so she's like, oh, well, he's walking by this bridge. He's going into his house, and there's a red door. And then, oh my God, we see Nick Lane for the first time in the episode. Yep. Well, aside from the uh, security footage. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we see him in person for the first time. And I uh, you get a his... shot of that scar in the first episode, yes. in the first scene, and it looks more like a two. <laughs> look at it now. Yeah. Uh, also, his alarm goes off at 646. Hmm. Which... There's definitely significance to that, which I don't know what it is. Hmm. Is there, or is it just it went off at 645 and then he, he slept it. for a minute? Snoozing <laughs> <laughs> for one minute. <laughs> No alarms do that. He's I mean, been trained to only sneeze for a minute. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. We then do see him do some uh, some cool push-ups with that cool tattoo. Well, on his we head. then see him do the exact same morning routine that Olivia had. Yep. Also, the same camera movements when he's doing the push-ups, tracking just his head. Yep. 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 And he goes, it's exact same, sort of the exact shot by shot scene with him exercising, then going to his closet, putting his clothes on. And then we sort of cut to a bunch of uh, SWAT members going oh, to. Oh no! He no? takes like fifteen pills. Oh yeah. Oh yes. We cut to his enormous collection of pills, which is crazy. And then he takes a gun. Yep. yep. And you're like, hmm, this isn't good. And, and then, then cocks it as well. And, 
and then decides to leave, like you know, as you do. As you do. And then the FBI, yeah, the FBI guys go and raid his house, and he has a wall of stuff. He has yeah. a crazy person wall. I do, I do like that. Before that, though, Olivia goes in and looks at his closet, and you can imagine Olivia looking in the closet and going, "God damn." I wonder if I can steal any of this shit for myself. <laughs> Olivia looking at him like, hmm, I should get some of these clothes. <laughs> this guy has yeah. Taste. No, even on my most recent watch through, I did not make that connection. Oh, man. <laughs> it's, it's a really good connection, is what I say. Because they, they don't point it out ever. Like, even the line where he says it is like. It's also something that seems like, yeah, well, she's an FBI agent. She would do sit ups in the morning, and she mm-hmm. does wear all these dark clothes. Yeah. But, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, because then, so then we get a scene of him sort of walking down the street, and everyone he walks by sort of turns around, starts following him. And oh, yeah. he doesn't look comfortable with it, to be fair. He, well, I don't think he's even aware of it. He just, he does not look okay. Shout out to the actor for not having, like, any speaking lines so far, and having, like, 20 seconds of camera, and still mm-hmm. conveying a lot just in your face. Oh, yeah, yeah no, he's... He's incredible. I wonder if he has he been in anything else. Because uh, I, I want feel like to he's... say so. Uh, I'm gonna look it up. You guys keep you guys keep going. I'm gonna look this up briefly. Yeah. So the dude's sort of walking, and then um, there's just it's it's a great it's shot. I think really great because it's just like him walking yeah. the street, and then just like like what looks to be like half a dozen people just start following him. And they like are emotionless. Like one person walks by him and then just like instantly turns around and starts following him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, David. I should have known that. Um, he was in The Magicians most recently. Oh, oh that's where. Magicians from 2015 to 2020. So he was, he was through all of it. Who did okay. they get in that? Yeah, I could stop watching that show. <laughs> oh, man, that show's rough. <laughs> yeah. It was, I was, it's way too dark for me. <laughs> Oh my god! I just watch happy anime. That's where I'm at currently. It's so fucking dark. Yeah. yeah. So they get a they get a better look at his crazy person wall, and it just seems to be article clippings about war and experiments on kids and aliens and kind of government cover ups. He seems to try and be tracking stuff, and then written on his wall is what was written will come to pass, and. There's even actually a newspaper clipping that says government closes Kelvin Genetics, which was the genetics company from uh, Scorpion Lizard, right? Yes. Uh, and don't forget about that two-headed goat um, that Walter gets very excited about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then C-2517 was one of the planes, I believe. Yep. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, this guy's got a crazy person wall, but it's a fringe crazy person wall. He also has a picture of the Louvre for some reason. Yeah. Apparently, there was some sort of fringe Louvre science. Yeah, it was called. Co- or do you think that's um, that's the director being like, "Yes, I did direct Da Vinci Code." <laughs> <laughs> I choose to believe it's that. His entire the entire crazy wall is just a reference to a beautiful mind. <laughs> it could be. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, but yeah, so he's walking down, and um, I think. Does Charlie get a phone call saying they found him? Yeah, they, they get a, hey, there's a positive ID of mm-hmm. Nick Lane heading into a building and he wasn't alone. You're like, hmm. Yeah. Like, and then they cut to the building and it's Nick and everyone else standing on the ledge of the roof. Yep. Yep. And so the like, oh, man, I guess like... it wasn't an orgy that he was going for. 
But the French team was like, okay, we got to go like investigate that. Bunch of police officers now who are standing around go, um, yeah, don't go in there. We already lost the guy and he's now standing on the edge. <laughs> yeah. And um, anyone, anyone else get the, uh, the, the third eye blind song kind of like playing in their head while the scene was happening? Oh no, hmm. I got flashbacks to the happening. No. <laughs> oh no, I had, I had, um, is it the jumper? I think maybe. Oh uh, yeah, but, it's uh, jumper, jumper by third, third eye blind was the oh. song that was just going through my head during this entire thing. <laughs> Wish you could step back from that ledge, my friend. <laughs> so, uh, luckily, Walter uh, tells Olivia that, "Hey, uh, because you have this psychic connection with him, you're probably g- and you were uh, and you have Cortexafan. Yeah, you're going to be immune to it. You're probably immune to his mind control. So you should go and investigate." Well, Walter doesn't say immune. Just you, you, you'll probably be less affected by it. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you're probably more likely to survive. <laughs> than any of us. The odds are in your favor. Maybe. Um, and so yeah, so, then we have Olivia head up to the roof, um, and we see all of these, like this assortment of people. You got a cop, um, some some girl with a backpack, and just like a bunch of people just on the, yeah. on the edge of a building. And Nick turns around, and he's like, oh my god, Olive! <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck? And hey, don't forget that 17 again advertisement in the background. Oh, I was gonna make a joke about it! <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> I was Wait, is there actually a billboard for there 17 There is a again? huge billboard <laughs> in the background for 17 again. Oh my god, there is. Nick Lane, so, you, so you have to see it. <laughs> I was going to say, imagine committing suicide with a 17 again advertisement in line of sight. <laughs> it's probably why they're killing themselves. Oh my god. <laughs> that movie came out at the peak of Zac Efron High School Musical fame. Yep. So, so the peak of Zac Efron's career. Yes. Zac Efron's still doing things. Yes. What is he? Uh, but, Baywatch does not count. Um, he was also in Neighbors with Seth Rogen. Oh that was yeah. In 2014. Neighbors Two was in 2016. Thank you very much. Yes, four years ago, David. That hey, was an Olympics oh, ago. He was, he also, was also in, in Scoob. Yeah, um, that was a trash movie. If you want my thoughts on that, tweet at Forsaf and I'll also, respond. Also, um, uh, you don't even have access to the Twitter account. How are you going to respond? I will text my tweets to you, and then you will tweet them. <laughs> he was in the um, Ted Bundy documentary. Oh, yeah. Playing Ted Bundy. Docudrama, thank you. Yeah, docudrama. He's still been doing stuff this entire time. Yeah, I just don't Fair. care about it. Fair 17 enough. 17 again made $136 million. I... You forget that also Matthew Perry was in that movie. Oh, God. Weird. Anyways, let's yes. get back to some good content. <laughs> uh, he, he knows Olivia and calls her Olive because he remembers being drugged with Cortex fan. And Olivia's mm-hmm. like, I don't know who the fuck you are. Um, I would say Nick is quite understanding of this where he goes, oh, that's fair. They probably wanted us to forget. Yeah. Well, he goes, yeah, no, every, like, they, they tried to make everyone forget. I just couldn't. And you're like, hmm. Like, I did everything they told me to. I uh, kept in shape. I stayed active. I stuck to the blacks and grays. Like I did everything. And you're like, oh my god, that's where Olivia gets it from. Yeah, David freaked the fuck that's out right. when we were yeah. watching this. Where I'm like, oh my god, Olivia does never wear color. Like, yep. ever. And, and you look, and they look like they're dressed almost the same. <laughs> yeah. They... I got a message, Nick, real quick. Oh. Uh, outside of season spec conversation, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> but they have this moment, and then Olivia or um, 
Nick pulls out a gun and sort of just like points it and it's like, Olive, I need your help. Like, I need you. And then she, he hands the gun to Olivia and is like, I need you to kill me or shoot me. Otherwise, <laughs> I jump and then everyone jumps. And Olivia's like, okay, um, I don't really want to do this. And Nick's like, you have to. And he's just freaking out a little. And then one of the people on the, uh, one of the people jumps. Yep. And Which we cut to possibly my favorite scene of this episode, despite how many good ones there are. <laughs> Peter and Walter hanging out downstairs, <laughs> just saying, hmm, I hope everything's going well. And then just smash as a lady kills, smashes into a car behind them. And Walter just turns and goes, hmm, I hope she meant to do that. <laughs> also, if you go through that, this is one of the goose of the episode. If you go through that like frame by frame, the car crumples and the windows pop like three frames before the woman actually hits it, which means this episode is trash and receives a one out of five. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Obviously, this episode is terrible. Just Johnny yeah. compositing, I see. Wow. Look at that terrible CG. That's <laughs> why they have to stick to doing all their own stunts. Oh, yeah, they should have actually thrown a woman. <laughs> Um, but so there's this intense scene and like the tension's ramping up and Olivia's like he's starting to like get more unhinged and people are starting to make get it closer to the edge. And so Olivia does the logical thing and shoots him in the leg. And he yep. just falls to the ground in pain. Not just in the leg, in both legs. Yeah, just bang bang. So then we also get a really, really ominous um moment here where uh he goes, um that really I've, does been, I've been woken like I've been woken up, um and sometimes oh, yes. when we wake up we can't go back to sleep. And it's like is, ooh, that's ooh. A good line. I don't like like <laughs> line just makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> it, it makes sense yep. for everything that's been fucking going on in fringe. Yep, but it's also a very much a warning for Olivia too on that, because mm-hmm. Olivia's technically had her awakening as well. Uh, can't go back to sleep now. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All kinds of uncomfortable. Oh yeah. So uh, we get a scene of him in a coma so that he can't mess with people's emotions in a super white prisony you get like x-files feels from watching this scene mm-hmm. yeah i'm not a big fan of the whole hey don't worry he's going to be in a medically induced coma indefinitely um hey he's I, he's he's officially a terrorist under the patriot they can do whatever they want to him yeah oh. <laughs> it, i think Broyles does give like hey massive dynamics gonna try and figure this shit out well, no. He he's like massive oh. dynamics still not forthcoming about about those trials. They say oh, they were all burned. Like all like they don't have any of the uh, the data of the like the participants of the trials. Because Olivia's like, I'm pretty sure I was part of that trial. Yep. <laughs> like this, there's nothing about massive dynamic ha- helping this dude in that scene. It's literally just massive dynamic doesn't have anything any info on this. I'm sure everything will be fine. <laughs> yeah, totally. And then Olivia <laughs> goes home, and her niece is like, I feel sick. I got a vaccine. Now I'm autistic. (laughs) Sorry, probably autistic. (laughs) Olivia goes and puts her to bed. And it's like, oh. We do get our our cute little scene, because those are a requirement. We need our cute Olivia uh, Ella moments. Mm -hmm. And then Charlie shows up at the door and hands her a folder. And he's very much like, hey, probably shouldn't be giving this to you. So just uh, stay quiet about this. (laughs) Yeah. And um, looking at the the newspaper clippings in there there's uh doppelgangers among us yeah which that's yep. actually we'll talk about that later <laughs> um, <laughs> aliens aren't from out there tax dollars another aliens aren't from out there uh two-headed 
something. Two-headed goat again. We, the the two-headed goat made a reappearance. Guys, I think the two-headed joke is the ultimate villain. <laughs> uh, but there's one that's almost out of focus, and it just says another universe. Hmm. Mm. And Olivia sits through that, and then we go to Walter digging through an old box in the lab. Yep. Yep. And pulls and... out a, a VHS tape because he's he's got some nostalgia for watching one of those old movies on a VHS tape. Yeah, and it's just a young girl in a corner and. Kind of around the corner is the walls are normal. Everything else is kind of burnt and black. And I feel like unless you played um, Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. Um, <laughs> wow, very specific there. You don't recognize the voice talking? Uh, that's no. No, seriously, because when this aired, like, aside from, are we going to spoil this? Well, no, this is, yeah, well, yeah, this is the first time that we hear William Bell. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously, they, they, he would be credited. It, it was very obvious who it was, yeah. Charlie. It was okay, very no, no, no. obvious. You're saying you're saying now, but you've heard him like you saw 2009 Star Trek, so you know what he sounds like. I'm saying when this aired, he hadn't done that much work in a long time. At the time, um, at the time, he was sort of out of the limelight for acting yeah. wise. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Okay, Unless you played fair. like Birth by Sleep, where he voiced. One mm-hmm. of the characters in there, or, or, or were a big Trekkie, because if you were a big Trekkie, you could have gotten it. Still. I mean, no, yeah. I would agree with Charlie though that his voice has changed heavily. His, his voice fair. gets a lot gravelier. His voice is like completely different from his original. Like, hey, it's it's yeah. new. It's Leonard Nimoy. I don't know why we're being so weird about this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why we haven't said his name yet. It's Spock. Spock is William Bell. Yes, which makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> But they do such a dramatic reveal, which makes it seem like they were like, no one's going to know who it is. And yes. I didn't. Because when it happened, like when it's live and they do the reveal, I'm like, holy shit, that's Leonard Nimoy. And like, God damn, they got yeah. Leonard Nimoy on this. Yeah. So we can hear sort of um, so a woman's voice at first explaining like, yeah, we don't know what happened. We can't find the person or something. And then we hear um, Bell's voice and he's sort of just like, oh, I want to know what happened. And then we hear Walter's voice. And Walter is sort of like, oh, I'm sure, like, I think he's sort of the sort of voice of reason, I would say, here. And you can tell he's the one who's good with kids, which is which terrifying. Is, comes back from the previous point as well, of a Walter being good with children. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and he's and like, so, it's going to be okay, Olive. It's going to be okay as we get that super punch-in shot on the TV, on the staticky VHS TV screen. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And you're like, oh, no. And, uh, and I think just Walter staring at it. Just yep. yeah. And that's that's the last uh, that's the last scene of the episode. So it, it's great because you start out loving Walter through all of this. He's got all these happy moments, and at the end you're like, "Ooh, he was kind of a monster, wasn't he?" Yeah. Um, our observer can be seen crossing the street near the building where they all line up on the roof. It was oh, okay. fairly. It was fairly obvious. Like he was on he was on screen for like a second or yeah. two. This I seems, like a, planned, this seems like a planned one. Yeah. Um, and then continuing... I did. I was watching with Nick. Nick probably pointed it out. Uh, yeah. Continuing oh, our, our cipher theme of the last couple episodes where it's been characters' names, this cipher is Belly. 
which is Walter's, ah, William Bell. Which is Walter's mm-hmm. nickname for William Bell. Mm-hmm. Hey, Nick, um, do you want to oh. do my favorite segment of the show? Uh, oh, yeah. Hey, David. This, David, this, David. this segment right. of the show has honestly reduced my appreciation of Fringe. All right. So, David, I'm not even going to ask you where you think this is coming from. What do you think the... Um, what do you think the object that they're hinting towards that's in this episode was hinted at last episode? Like, just the um, object. Just oh, the object. That's all I want. I'll give, VHS. You three, I'll, I'll give you three guesses. A VHS tape. No. no. The ZFT manuscript. No. Um, shit, what else was in this episode that was important? Um, oh, and you're weird. You're going to be so upset. Mad. Uh... <laughs> Something absolutely stupid that we see in the first scene—a cheesecake knife. No, <laughs> almost. You, you got close there. Um, <laughs> it's so, not close so, with cheesecake knife. Get the fuck well, out no, of here. He's he's close with cheesecake knife in the fact that it's one of the it's in one of Olivia's dreams, and it's one of the like big things from one of the dreams. Um, yes. but it's from the first one. You got that part wrong. It's just a balloon. Uh, if it's just yes. a fucking balloon, I'm oh. so so there oh. is. A, there is a keg bef- before in before that frat house. Uh, there's a keg outside, and on the side of that keg is the company that makes that 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 lager. And the company's name is Red Balloon Lager. Hate it. I absolutely hate it. <laughs> You're gonna hate the next one too. He's gonna hate all no. of them. No, he's gonna hate all of them, but one. Uh, okay. The road not taken one is the only good one. Yes, that's fair. The road not taken one is actually good. The Road Not Taken um, one is the only one I like actually noticed and was like, what the fuck does that mean? That's fair. Fringe is a bad TV show. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, David, what's your rating of the show? Uh, uh, <laughs> episode? <laughs> I want to reduce my ratings because of these goddamn hints. I really um, want to ask what your rating is before I say the hint and then afterwards and just see how much it goes down. <laughs> Um, honestly, like a four and a half, I think, out of five. Like, this is a very good episode in my books. Like, it's a perfect connection to everything previously that's happened in this season. It's bringing up a lot of cool points that have, like, that we've touched upon, a lot of abilities that Olivia has mentioned that, well, Walter have mentioned about himself. And I think, um, story wise, just self standalone, it's also very good. Yeah. yeah. I echo yeah. that completely. This is easy four and a half out of five. Yeah, and even even I'm going with a four and a half out of five on this thing. I think that how it was like it was it was incredibly well written, and there were lots of little things in it that when you you go back and rewatch, or if you're clever and catch on your first view, are just really good little tidbits that they tossed in there that make the episode make more sense and kind of make it more complete, but that they and don't just throw in your face. It's yeah. super um, brave for at the time a broadcast TV show to do that, like the wardrobe shot at the beginning. That's like no one's gonna see that because what if no one rewatches the show? That's entirely either a super attentive viewer, which you can't count on, or on reviews, which you can't count on. They were, they but but were, also, to be fair, they were planning for that with everything that was in this, like the ciphers. Yeah, I think writing and directing the show for the DVD release. Like you can see that in some meet in some forms of media where you can see that most of the effort has been put in for the final release rather than the week to week. There are comics you read where you realize like, oh, this was not written for the issues. Like this was written for yeah. the trade competition yeah. as a finale. And this, this is very much yeah. this show is not written for the week to week. This show is written as a season like yeah. DVD release. This episode though, like you said, works perfectly within the context of the season. Because it picks up kind of loose threads here and there, 
and ties them up. But then even as a standalone, like if you know nothing about Fringe, you can watch this episode and have a very good time. Yeah, exactly. Nothing and it'll bring you in because you'll be you'll want to learn more. Yeah, because nothing is nothing is too far out there in terms of like fringiness. Like you don't have to be like, oh, who's this, this or this? It's this guy is a reverse empath. He was treated with a drug. She was treated with the same drug. Yeah, and they bring it all up so that if you missed an ep- if you missed the the necessary episodes, you're fine. Yeah. But it's not it's not what does Pot of Greed do? Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> hey, if you if you've been wondering, here's a little bit more information on what it does and what it is. If you've never heard it before, here's all the stuff you need to know. The writing mm-hmm. in this episode is super tight. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a lot to go off of that. It's just a very well written episode. Hey, David, do you have any fun facts about this episode? Um, so we talked, we touched upon the fact that this is written. Uh, what's his name? Akiva, uh, Akiva Goldsmith. Goldsmith, um, yep. as well. Uh, so the reviews for this episode were pretty much on point with what we were thinking. What we said was very highly reviewed when it came out. So uh, we're not the weirdos this time. <laughs> the question was, was it really highly reviewed because of what we talked about or because of the Olivia uh, making out so, with the stripper scene? <laughs> it was highly reviewed. Uh, looking through some of the reviews, um, they people commented that they, the writing was um, an example of a story you have to be patient with. So it's the kind of story you have to actively pay attention to, which I think speaks to how well written it was. Yeah. As well as people complimented the display between Olivia and Broyles' uh, relationship, which we commented upon as well. Um, there is a mention of the Olivia strip club scene as well. Yeah. <laughs> and as well as a review of just the cold open as well and how unnerving that was. Yeah, so, no, that's fair. But for... For how much you have to pay attention to the episode to get the full story, it doesn't feel like dense and it doesn't feel fast paced. Like, yeah, it doesn't feel like a um, like Arrested Development or anything. It doesn't feel yeah. like a show where I have to pause and then digest and then continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's it feeds you. It like the pacing is very well done. Mm-hmm. I know this is just a very good episode if you want to watch Fringe and you don't, you want something to like grab you either the pilot or this i'd suggest the pilot just that you know (laughs) actually get everything but um, yeah if if you're like listen i want one episode of fringe and i don't want to spend a movie length of time to watch it yeah um, from season one honestly this one's probably it uh or if if you want to like get your friend to watch fringe and they're like no no no, i don't want to sit through like a super long pilot put this episode on and like, if yeah, I, I'm trying to think. I'm not this. sure if there's one earlier than this that I would suggest. I wouldn't suggest the last two episodes. The pilot is so long; it is a double, and it feels like I a think, movie. I think you were shocked when that happened, David. Like we were watching it, you're like, "Man, why is this still happening?" I was shocked when we were an hour in, and I'm like, "How? We're not even close to being done in this story. <laughs> the story doesn't make sense." Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think so. The one scene, one other fun fact is when they were filming the all the actors standing on top of the building. Uh, the way that was done was that they actually had a sort of hidden roof that extended out uh, on the ledge, so that they, if they did fall, they wouldn't fall to their deaths. <laughs> In reality, oh boy, they essentially put like um, like scaffolding to be a secondary location underneath the edge. That's that really good. See. That's really good cinematography, then, that you can't... Yeah. I don't think it pokes yeah. out at all, so... No? Yeah. All right. Nice. Um, cool. I think uh, just... Yeah. Uh, with that, I think... 
Oh, sorry. One more. Um, so the car being smashed by the woman was uh, partially CGI. Um, they actually had the woman drop, jump into a tarp, and then they fired a, the car with pneumatic rams, air cannons, and cables to implode. And then God they composited damn. it. Oh, they really did their cool. best to like reduce yeah. the amount of CG necessary at all times. Makes you wonder what computers they were using to make this thing. Yeah, <laughs> it was just like the worst at the time. Like they're like, oh man, they gave us all this like really good like actual special <laughs> effects budget, but the CG budget, we've got one Alienware laptop and that's it. Ooh, not even Alienware. They probably just want Max. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, take us uh, out. Yep. Uh, with that, we'll uh, wrap up this episode. Thank you again for listening. Uh, uh, if you like the episode, feel free to uh, leave a comment, uh, leave a like. Um, if you're looking for more, you can find us on any of the popular podcast streaming web uh, streaming websites: uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, the Google Play Store, bunch of different spots, and of course, our home Podbean. Um, if you'd like to reach out to us to talk, uh, you can catch us on Twitter at Forsaf. Uh, for f o u r uh, saf s a a f. Uh, you can also uh, email us at uh, forsaf at gmail .com. And yeah, we'll see you guys in a week's time. Etro. The theme music for Four Seasons and a Funeral is Algorithms by Chad Crouch and is licensed under a attribution non-commercial 3.0 Creative Commons license.